0: hi guys welcome back it is now 2024 I cannot believe I'm saying that the year went by so quickly and happy new year to you all Um, I'm honestly glad the new year has started and we can say goodbye to 2023 it was a year that personally came with a lot of growing pains and transformations that I trust are serving me in the long run But I think I was honestly just itching for the year to end. Also, tomorrow is my 29th birthday and we are officially on the final stretch of my 20s. I have a cute dim sum night planned with the girls in the city and then I am off to Guatemala for the week for a little solo retreat, which I booked so last minute and on a whim, but I feel like it was needed and exactly how i wanted to start the end of my 20s i think when i get back i'm going to do a little solo episode to reflect on my 28th year and all that has come with it i entered my saturn return in april and i honestly remember my friends who are older joking about the challenges of their late 20s and their saturn returns but i truly did not get a grasp on how serious the intensity of all of it is anyone who is currently in it i feel you i am here with you and i am going through it with you and anyone who has their saturn and aries and will be entering it next (laughs) good luck Anyways, I am so excited to be back and to kick off the new year with a guest I really admire. I have wanted her to come on the show for a little bit now, and I think she has a sense of relatability and vulnerability that you don't always see in the creative and fashion world, and I think you'll really enjoy this conversation. So with that being said, let's dive into the intro. Today's guest is Clemence Poulez. Clemence is the founder of Passerby, an online magazine and community that celebrates the women who pass us by. Passerby was born from her curiosity about the women she encountered all too briefly while people watching. Wanting to hear from the people who sat beside her on the subway, from those who served her coffee, or passed her on the sidewalk, she set out to broaden the scope of typical media portrayals asking the women she saw to speak with her. Hundreds of conversations later, in eight full years, Passerby has become a venue for a diversity of perspectives, a driver of creative exchange, and a home for a community of worldwide passerby. Passerby pushes against the traditional narratives of who is seen and what can be discussed, providing a rare space for reflection on an increasingly busy internet. From waitressing to building Passerby from the ground up, Clemence independently learned everything from photography to coding in order to bring her vision for passerby to fruition. In today's episode, we chat about our upbringings with immigrant parents, developing your craft and learning how to build projects from the ground up, and remembering to celebrate and reflect on your journey along the way. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode and
1: photographer and creative director, and I also run a magazine called Passerby. I mean, I would say like my background is very, very different to the path that I'm in. And I think like that is also like the New York way where you start somewhere and end up in the complete opposite direction. Um, but I grew up in, uh, in the UAE, so between Dubai and Sharjah. So that was basically my upbringing, which was very, very particular, no access to much culture, mm-hmm. um, just, I like really grew up on like internet, like forums, like uh, Yahoo pool. I don't know if you remember like yeah. the online games, I was big into that. So that was kind of my um childhood uh was spending on like random like gay game, online games chatting to strangers um and then i um i always wanted to move to america i like grew up watching like golden girls moesha sister sister and this is how i got my accent which people still don't understand um because my parents don't speak much English. Like I went to French school. I learned technically English when I was around 14 or 15. That's when I properly started learning English. Uh, But I was very immersed in American culture. And I think my education has been that through like film, TV, music, Uh, I was like big into like Pearl Jam, Tool, Alice in Chains. I think like that's another pocket of America. That was kind of my entry point to America. And uh, I wanted to study there. And um, I applied to all the Ivy Leagues uh, with no plan B. And I didn't get to a single one. Mm -hmm. So that kind of changed my path a little bit. And so I didn't get to go study in the States uh, and I scrambled and like, uh, went to London to to study. And like, again, I didn't even have like a creative like education. I like studied international marketing. And this was at the time when, like social media wasn't really existent. Like when print uh, media was like what we were being taught. Um, and so it was a very interesting time to be like studying business. And I had like zero, passion for it really it was kind of um I like had to choose between being a doctor engineer or business <laughs> like through like my like uh Iranian mom who's like very very uh particular with like very high standards I think like anyone with, like an Iranian family will kind of relate to that and then when I got my master's and I hated London it was mm-hmm. way too druggy for me like mm-hmm. I like lived in the East end. I like was too young to like, you know, be introduced, like introduced to ketamine and all that. Like it was just not my scene, Mm. Um, but I'm trying to like reflect a little bit on my London time. I was like a music promoter, so I was really in the music scene for a bit I would put on shows in Camden.
0: And so um, when you were in London, were you, how many years were you there for? Um, I want to
1: say five years. Wow. Yeah.
0: And that's what led you into coming to the States.
1: I, I always, again, like if I had it my way, I'd be studying yeah. in the States and like, A, I didn't get to the schools I, I wanted and, and B, mm. I also wouldn't have been able to afford it. Yeah. Like yeah. at the time when my dad found out about like the, pre- like tuition cost, he was like, you're, there's no fucking way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Like, and London, was part of the EU at the time. And like, I have French nationality because I'm born in France. I think like tuition is like 3,000 pounds a year. Like, wow. That, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very different. And mm-hmm. honestly, very grateful that I did that and didn't enter like my early career into debt. It is. It is. And that is honestly probably like more of a blessing for your
0: future self that maybe your current self back then wasn't seeing, but I was kind of in the same boat like that. And like the way my parents were making me choose colleges and things I wanted to do back then, I felt so like angry about it. And I was like, I have to be doing this. I have to be here. And now at my age, I'm really grateful (laughs) for that choice. So
1: I know a thing or two.
0: Yeah, they do. They do. And I'm also just so shocked by your upbringing. This is why I love these conversations. It's like you just have no idea through social media, like what where anyone comes from, what their path has been, how they got to where they are now, especially when you only see their years of whatever success looks like to them. You, we're We're only seeing such a small little sliver of like the whole story. And I think it's so special to share what it took to get there. And we don't like maybe personally reflect on those things, even with like ourselves or our friends. And it's like, I think it's really important too.
1: I mean, I actually had that experience with one of my close friends, Mindy, who like I interviewed for passerby Mm -hmm. and like, I genuinely didn't know much about her, the intricacy of her childhood. And I think it's important to have those kind of conversations Mm -hmm. with close friends, like really deep into like what they're into when they're teenagers, like, you know, what they like with or what like like unexpected things that like not taking where they are right now right here we're so complex and I think to be honest that was kind of what made me want to start passerby it's just I think there were I mean obviously everyone has a story to tell but I think we're very like we have our assumptions and uh I also like come from a background with my mom like had like very strong assumptions about women and like I really wanted to change that and like have us women see other women differently and not necessarily like as maybe a threat or just, I, I, I don't know. I just wanted us to like really be curious about one another and open and, you know, having these conversations like you are right now.
0: Yeah. I always think that people who kind of create these platforms or communities, there's a deep curiosity and need for um, wanting to cultivate those conversations or wanting to change a narrative that they grew up with or wanting to understand things that they've been craving their whole lives as like children and adults. And I think that's why some of them become so successful because it's really coming from a place of like not just point blank interviewing like you would on the news or a magazine because you do, but more so like you have a deep curiosity and want for it um okay so your curiosity
1: stem from do you know
0: I think it was just growing up in a very strict Arab household my dad's from Lebanon um so I'm first gen but my mom is fifth generation in our town and um in mass and so she's very Americanized and I think just growing up with really strict parents and also just growing up on a really small island where because it's fifth generation everyone knows you everyone knows your business i i just you it's interesting that i have the curiosity because everyone i grew up with i know basically their story since they were born up until the age that maybe i left but i was more curious about the people in the world who were creating these beautiful lives for themselves that did not fit this like cookie cutter path of like You know, you go to college, um, you choose a corporate career, you get married, you have kids, you go back to the suburbs, like, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I have a lot of friends that are very happy with that lifestyle. But for me personally, I was craving life and experience and a beautiful career that didn't necessarily, like, you can't apply to it, like Mm -hmm. you're creating it. And so my curiosity and my craving for that was, it kind of started like before I moved to New York. Um, but I was so busy trying to like create my own path. I was, you know, it was too up in the sky and like just an idea, a little seat at the time. Um, but I just really wanted to have those conversations, especially with women and understand like how they broke out of that cookie cutter, maybe mindset that either their parents gave them or society gave them. And they've created like these wonderful careers or wonderful lives for themselves, that are inspiring to me, which therefore I'm like, then it must be inspiring to a whole other group of women as well. So that's kind of how we all dream was born. And um, so how did you end up making your way to New York? Cause I know that was like the goal and you had to do some detours just due to life and everything. So what finally got you here?
1: So the thing that people don't really know about me is that I did comedy videos So I can't, I wanted to, I wanted to be a comedian. I have no idea why. Like it was, I don't know. I was really into Larry David and I like had the arrogance and naivete at like 21 thinking that I like had a future in that world, which I didn't. Um, So I did some videos in London and I, basically wanted to bring that to New York somehow. So I did UCB, uh, interned in different film production companies. Like I really, I guess like one of the things that really opened me to film world being like potentially a career and like film or comedy uh, was during my thesis. I, my thesis director was on the board of the BFI and Mm. she just, was such an inspiring woman that like really introduced me to the whole world of independent cinema and um and that kind of being a prospect into like a career like outside like I I I didn't know what I wanted to do I didn't like had zero interest in like business marketing or whatever just like did it to appease my mom and um and also you know, to make sure I, well, hopefully, hoping to get a job out of college, but um mm-hmm. I, basically, the comedy videos was, like, a way for me to, like, test out New York, or, like, my, I mean, like, I had no, I don't even know how I did the move, to be honest, because I didn't know a single person in New York. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I worked, I worked a couple of jobs back in London. i like, so I did a lot of promoting, uh, like music shows, but I also worked on American apparel. Like mm-hmm. then I worked at Cost. And so I saved a little bit of money through that to be able to like, just pack up and start fresh in New York city. Like I found wow. my roommates on Craigslist. Like I did a, <laughs> Skype conversation. They're still friends now. The incredible men uh, that like really took me in and took care of me. Uh, so I got really lucky. Um, and then I interviewed at a couple of different uh, film production companies, and uh, I that kind of was my in. I didn't have a green card. I didn't have a visa. I was like, I'll do it for three months and hope for the best. And so that was kind of. And then I so basically when I moved into New York, I, I, when I trained at UCB, like really for six months, not more, cause I like gave up pretty uh, quickly. Um, I joined a comedy group called as big as possible with uh, two other boys. And we basically wrote, um, directed uh, these comedy shorts and we did that wow. for two years I want to say I mean like looking back the videos are not that embarrassing I thought yeah. that would be worse um maybe it's just me but there's there's something to, like make me chuckle so <laughs> no regrets honestly I think that something
0: that I will say is like sometimes I get a little bit like nervous like oh my god that past version of myself like who didn't know what she was doing and I, and I still don't know what I'm doing but um I'm like, Oh my God, is she cringy? I don't know. But honestly, I think she was a little bit more eager to be fearless and do things that she needed to do and make connections and put herself out there that I don't know at this age. Like, I don't know if I a hundred percent have all that, but like, if it wasn't for that younger version of myself doing those things, I would not be here.
1: Absolutely. I mean, like, I, I'm not that person at all. I would not do like, I really don't put myself out there anymore. I'm like, everything is a risk. I like reconsider things. I mean, I I won't even go past 10 p.m. Like, (laughs) I'm jealous of my younger self where like, I just like did things. I was that, I miss the naivete. Like, I I really, like, on one hand, I did like so much that like, I don't think it was like the healthiest thing to do. I definitely put myself, in positions where my health was at risk. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of why at our age, we're just, I mean, I I don't know how old are, but, uh, Mm -hmm. just past our twenties, we're just a little more sensitive to like what we do to our bodies. And in terms of like all the things that we take on, how we put ourselves out there, Mm -hmm. uh, we just have to be a bit more careful because there are consequences.
0: Yeah. I think things definitely start to shift. And I think our bodies start to show us more for yeah. sure. Um, and I, that's such a blessing though, because I think in the times that we need it to be a little bit more mute, it was. And mm-hmm. I think as we go on, our bodies, especially being women, were so intuitive. And if like, you know, there's certain things that our bodies like, that's a hard no for me, then that is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, because I have some friends even in New York that are in their late thirties, early forties, but they're still going out being social how I was in my early 20s and like kudos to them but I personally not there that's interesting um,
1: so yeah I wonder like why like do some of us slow down versus others like what it takes to like really continue
0: yeah I don't know I think sometimes it can be a mix of like you know when we're younger, we have a little bit more energy and maybe we're naturally actually more introverted or we enjoy slower paced things or we enjoy our solitude, but Back then, maybe we didn't have the connection to ourselves to realize how strong that was. And it was more of like, well, you're this age. You should be going out and partying. Or it could have even been the survival mode of like, I have to go out and make these connections and put myself out there in order to leave my hometown, in order to like create that career that I want. So I think like it's so many factors and it's so individual based. And some people are just truly social butterflies and will be that way till they die.
1: Yeah, and, and I guess like at a young age, you're also establishing some sense of home, which is not necessarily like fully baked.
0: Yeah. And
1: so once you, I am assuming, starting your thirties, you've established that home, and therefore yeah. you want to stay more, and that could be more of like a place with yourself, and and that's how you can be a little bit more introverted. I mean, I'm a complete introvert, so everything yeah. you're saying makes sense. That, like, yeah.
0: I understand both sides because I think I'm a little bit of an ambivert. I think that's the right word for. I just recently learned that because I'm like, I'm so introverted, but I love like when I do have to go socialize, even though it takes me some like pumping up. Once I'm out, I'm like, I love it. I'm so I'm having so much fun. But then that social battery battery runs out very quickly. Um, so I think I lean more the introverted side, but I do have a little bit of extroversion in me, I think. Um, okay. So you got to New York and you were working with the film productions and you were doing the comedy. At what point did you, I guess this is a perfect segue into the next question, because I wanted to understand more about your photography journey and the creative direction work. And like,
1: where did that start to come into play? So I think I, I did the film world for, I think another, a year or two. I can't remember, but they're the ones that got me a visa to eventually stay in the States. It didn't really turn out well as I worked only with men and Mm -hmm. one with us and I had to get out of that. Um, And so I took, went into the restaurant business and just started waitressing for a while. And I think that was when I started developing this idea of Passerby and it was like, really like, I didn't really know what I want. Like it came through like different iterations and I think it took a, a couple of years for like it to fully be online. But I didn't necessarily like consider myself a photographer or anything creative. I would never define myself as such um, I even struggle defining myself as defining myself as such now. It's a
0: creative uh, curse.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like also like my mom in the background being like, it's not a real job. Like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I um, totally understand. <laughs> so I started photography because when I started passerby I had no funds like I just was working like crazy hours as a waitress and like this was at a time also like it was like a small French restaurant they didn't give a base salary so and I had the worst shifts so I was working if there were no clients that meant I wasn't paid basically yeah Uh, so that was a very like tough financial time, um, but so all to say like how photography came to board was just because I couldn't afford a photographer. Um, all mm-hmm. the aspects that kind of became my like education of anything creative was because I couldn't afford it. So I wow. built the website, learned how to code, learned Photoshop, learned like all that was just. I like I had first like roughly asked around to like what would it cost to like build a website and I think it was like quoted a hundred thousand dollars I was like okay oh my god that's not I mean you know of course like it's like then I learned that like people will do it for much cheaper but yeah I think I kind of jumped into learning all these different skill sets to make this vision that was in my head like come to life. And like, I I wasn't sure also like how to communicate it. So like it took a lot of experimenting and mm-hmm. looking at different references. And I think that's kind of how I kind of developed my craft. And eight years later, I mean, it, I still, I like photographed over 500 women and like at the 300 mark, i still wouldn't call myself a photographer. And wow. I think in the past two years, I just started owning it because I would get booked on shoots or you know people would want like pictures like on passerby and I'd be like okay I like you know I know how to work a camera I know how to work lights I have worked on a set I've done this for years I guess I'm a photographer
0: (laughs) I think from an outside perspective and like also being in photography like I see you 100% as photographer and creative director and like founder to a beautiful magazine like I, yeah, I, but I totally understand because it's, I I have the same inner voices sometimes. So.
1: And then I think like also with social media and like phones being really fancy, like, you know, can Mm -hmm. be a photographer really. And I think it's just so sure, anyone can be a photographer, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you're not, you know, like.
0: I recently like saw this thing on Instagram and it was like, it's not about what tools you use as an artist, it's about like your personal vision. And I think that's when people get caught up of like, I don't feel like a photographer. I don't feel like a ceramicist. I don't feel like a painter. And it unfortunately, like I think social media is so great for the connections, the community. Like I was able to build a career off of this app, but the flip side to it is you're seeing what everyone else is doing. People with proper training, people who have the connections and so there's like maybe some internal comparison, especially coming from immigrant parents that, you know, they're they really have been in survival mode. And it's hard for them to have, you know, or to open their mind to things other than this safety net of a life. And um, but that like little quote, I need to find it and like post it to We All Dream. But I was just like, that's actually so true. Cause even I don't consider myself like when someone asks me what I do, I'm like, oh so many things um I'm like if a meme a creative meme but it is truly about like your personal vision and I think passerby gives you that and I think it's beautiful that you've built a life also as a photographer through that
1: yeah I mean I got to like discover my love of photography through this little curiosity platform where yeah. I got- curious of others and like it unlocks something in me I think like that kind of goes with like all these like different little platforms I think like it just always reveals something inside you like through others yeah Uh, that's so beautiful
0: oh yeah. yeah um okay so what let's dive in now to passerby um so that started while you were waitressing and was it still like I know you said it took a few years to kind of really get it off the ground, but was it still the same vision back then as it is what it is today?
1: It wasn't. I think like at, at the time I kind of added more of a shopping component. Mm -hmm. And I think this was like at the time when like shopping blogs, street style blogs were really big. And I like thought, I don't know. I I like thought that that would be something people would be interested, but I wasn't necessarily interested in it. And I think it kind of phased out as I was pushing more into like more intimate stories and really going way deeper into the photography and that side of it kind of just disappeared over the years. And the, I mean, the way it looks also just dramatically changes my skill sets have gone better, like Mm -hmm. I could finesse it and just make it look a little bit cleaner. Um, It was much more chunkier at the time. Um, And um, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, they're at the time I didn't have a team, now Mm -hmm. I do. So that like also changes the quality of the content. I'm not a writer, English is not my first language. Mm So I'm not gonna pretend like that's my thing. Yeah. interview like that. I know I'm good, but like, yeah. actually, like writing an introduction or writing an essay, like it just really, really, it's hard for me. Yeah. So um, I'm lucky to like work with in- incredible writers and editors and I've just, I'm, I have an incredible team. So like that also reflects what Passerby is now is like, now it's no longer just me. It's yeah, talent, really talented individuals. That's
0: amazing. Also happy eight years. That's eight huge. Years. Uh, I always get like so emotional for people when I see that whatever they've been building, building, they really stuck to it and they've gone through all the motions and the ups and downs and they're like finding real success in it. And they're also just like celebrating it because I, I think everyone expects the success to be so linear or to be like constantly climbing but like what a lot of people don't see is when you choose the path of um doing your own thing there's like a lot of behind the scenes dips and rises and dips and rises and it um takes a lot of sacrifice so I think I get like emotional for others when I see them really successful I'm like they really they're doing it um because I know what is happening behind the scenes as well and so um with I mean past- it's definitely- take
1: that time to celebrate, to be yes. honest. I don't think we celebrated like in years. I mm-hmm. think like, I just realized we're coming close to a decade. I was like, fuck, I should probably do something or like just bring some of the key women that like yeah. made what it is together and just like acknowledge and just take a take a step back and just be like, Okay, this is where where we are. These are, you know, just like even counting all the the interviews that happened over the years. just like there's no, especially in New York, it's really hard to take that time to just like reflect, step back, and like yeah. just pat yourself in the back and like, I'm the last person to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and <laughs> uh, but I think if that were my, if I had any advice, I'd probably be like, just give yourself a little pat on the back for everything that you've, you've done. Like it's hard out there in York City. It's really hard. And the pace is
0: really quick and there's not a lot of time to be introspective and to celebrate. And which is interesting because a lot of people are very quick to celebrate their things here. But I think when you're in um, a little bit of mode of really trying to make things work for yourself and you maybe don't have something to fall back on, there is this like internal rush, um, but I think like in time we learn to like really stop and like reflect. And that's why I think I like the new year is it's not necessarily for like those um, resolutions, which I'm not into, but more so like days going up to it. I love to just sit and think about the past year and like what, and that's only been a new practice since I moved to New York because it's been so busy in time. I swear time moves here so quickly quickly like I remember where I grew up I felt like a year felt like five years like it was so slow and here I'm like it's literally about to be the new year and I yeah it's just I mean,
1: my my life in the UAE still feels like that was 50 years it just every year be like how is it just like I just yeah. wanted I mean also it's like when you're young you just want to be 18 and get the fuck out yeah, yeah 100% um, New York I mean like I it's like I can't believe at like 2023 honestly like it it felt like it just started like I can't believe it's the end and
0: I know the time is really that's something that really trips me up is the the timing and how fast it moves and I'm like okay I just need to reground myself it's just it's fine it's fine
1: but end of year lists, I'm like, that is so my jam. I've been doing that for like 10 years. It's like December is my favorite time because I yeah. just like think of everything that I've consumed culturally and like I make my top 10 list. It's such a good practice to have with yourself and um,
0: just like, you know, having passerby and growing it to what it is. And I think it's just important to reflect. So what has been the biggest inspiration for Passerby? Because you said it started off kind of like the shopping, you know, blog sites back in the day, which I had as well, because I thought that was my way into what I wanted to do. So I totally relate to that. Um, but when did you start to figure out like what inspires you and like kind of the angle that it is what we're seeing today?
1: I mean the core kind of kept to being the same. I was just inspired by the women that would literally pass me by. Like the name was is truly what wow. was the inspiration is just I'm a very curious person in terms of like I love people watching and like mm-hmm. that still is my, like main source of inspiration is just like stepping out and like watching people mm-hmm. uh um, and like i'm lucky enough to have like a balcony in my apartment and i get to see to just people watch way more now and like i yeah. just um so that was always like true to the core and just like understanding who's behind the person you know with the x book or you know what you know what were they listening to or you know what's in their bag just like really like what wonder what where they live like what does that look like and I was lucky enough to just like be able to like stop people in the street and ask them if I could go to their homes and just like get in their business and a lot said yes. I think in terms of like transitioning into like what it is now I think is just interest like um I just like kind of honed it more in what I was interested in
0: Mm -hmm. I love that So what are some lessons in growing an online community and platform?
1: I think consistency for sure. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that that could be said for any project. If you're consistent with it, you know, it pays off. And I mean, to be honest, eight years in, I don't, I still don't know if what I'm doing is right. You know, I think you're maybe not waiting for that validation that someone's going to tell you so that Mm -hmm. what you're doing. It's the right thing. And hopefully doing, I, I want to say doing something for the right reasons, but that's such a vague thing to say. You're not hopefully like launching whatever you are for like, you know, vanity for yeah. status. Um, I think if those are the driving forces, it's going to be harder to to upkeep and to to be really successful at it. I think there just needs to be something true Behind any project that you you put out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, I think like consistency,, um, being gentle, you know, being patient. yeah, uh, I think patience is a huge one
0: because we want yeah. we want to see the reward really quick or like we just want this uh, dream to come to life, but it really takes time to build things. And we and don't we see don- that on social
1: interviewed one of the women behind this uh, publication called sight unseen. Mm. And I like really admire that publication. And I remember I'd like interviewed her maybe five or six years ago. And she said that it didn't click or it didn't hit until like the eight year mark. And I mean, to be honest, it's, I'm also not doing passerby full time. If Mm -hmm. I were doing it full time, I think I would have a different relationship to it. But I think that I've managed to keep it as a side project, which is very exhausting, so that's why I always preface like you really need to love what you're doing because it's it's a lot of work. You're not gonna have your weekends. You're not gonna yeah. have a well, life. You're not really gonna be human. Yeah. Uh, but I think um, just exactly like and not waiting for that immediate you know validation or response. You might never get it. So if, if it makes you personally happy, I think like that's, it goes a long way. And yeah. That's-
0: yeah. And I think that's when, um, it's a good lesson because social media, I think we tend to see people really successful in one area. And it, I think it's really okay to be, uh, to relate to things and be inspired by things, but it doesn't mean you have to go and do that same thing because, you see that it's successful for someone else. I think there really needs to be a deep love and curiosity and want for it to keep you going. And I really appreciate you being open about the fact that this is a side project that is probably giving you great opportunities and connections and uh future ways to like monetize in other areas. But I think a lot of the thing we don't see on social media is that there often needs to be other sources of income, at least to really make it what you want it. Um, When I first moved to New York, I was only photography freelance and you get to a point mentally of this survival mode of like feeling really desperate and taking whatever you can get in order to pay the bills, which is, you know, a normal human response to that. And, um, my partner at the time really was trying to encourage me to use my other skills that I learned in like college or things that I was good at, but wasn't like this photography title And make money that way and enjoy my photography and make it what I want because I really fell out of love with it. I was like, I really just like don't even like this anymore. Like, why did I think that this was a thing? And I ended up taking his advice and doing that. And it reestablished my deep love for photography and creation. And I feel like then it was really clear what I wanted to do with We All Dream. And it just gave me the space to not be in survival mode and to really enjoy it and to create it in a way I want to create it and to self-invest. And so I really appreciate you saying that because I think it's something that's really not talked about often. And I think from an outside perspective, it can be a little dangerous that, you know, people well, you don't have
1: those disclaimers. You don't have disclaimers of who comes from generational wealth or, or does it like, I think yeah. we social media makes it look really easy. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing the same types of stories. Like platformed and like amplified and just expect that that's the norm. And I think that was also another reason that passerby was important to me is to show other types of stories, other norms and different classes. Like, Mm -hmm. I think we're just exposed to like one, especially in the creative world. I I think it can be dangerous because a lot of people will follow that path with like false expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, but yeah, I think like, also going about any creative project from a survival mindset can be dangerous too and yeah there's nothing wrong with taking a in a full-time job or a part-time job that's like not in the world mm-hmm. you know, you can all, you'll find a way to do it like but Try if it's like the your means of, sort of like paying rent, I think like there'll always be like some sacrifices that you'll make. So, as long as you're okay with that, um, just yeah,
0: being- and the patience ties into that because if you do have to work a full time job or if you're waitressing or just like doing anything that helps you with the means to live, then like also be patient and soft and gentle with yourself, like you're saying, because it might just take a little bit longer to build it out. And, um, I think it's just that combination of like, not really knowing what goes on behind the scenes and also not having the patience to really grow something out and like, see it through, um, is something not really discussed so often. And I wish it was a little bit more, but you also have to intuitively like lean into things and know that you're not getting the full story on social media.
1: Um, and this is something to say be said about personalities like mm -hmm. I noticed that a lot of people that are more extroverted charismatic go further along in their career and like there's something about that of like how you interact with other human beings how you network how you like push an idea how do you pitch Mm -hmm. all those things like if you're shy and introverted, your path might be a little longer or slower yeah. and you have to just like be okay with that. And, like understand that like in some industries, like there's a way of being that's rewarded more than others.
0: Yeah. And um, it's it's so interesting you say that because uh, some of the brands that I've worked for and like working with their community aspect of things and being the one to receive the pitches I am just like amazed at how people come with a pitch in such an energetic, exciting approach that makes you feel like you want to be part about, like you want to be part of what they're pitching. Whereas someone be like, Hi, um, I'm so and so. If if you're okay with it, I will. And you can really see the difference in personalities, but I've really learned that if you like approach things with like a little bit of excitement and um curiosity and interest and Also, sometimes, like, I don't know, um, I totally agree with what you're saying about the people who are just a little bit more, like, charismatic and outgoing. They can definitely get somewhere um, maybe a little bit quicker. But also, I think, in the fields we're working in, where it really has to do more with other people, it's that, like, time and interest that you're giving them the space to tell their story. And I, I think that the introverted side of us actually... Is so beneficial for that because it's more of like this deep one-on-one connection and it's like making those relationships and it's about giving others the space to actually have space to tell their stories
1: yeah and even like you see that directly in the photos once like your subject is comfortable and like Mm -hmm. feel like they're cared for like the photos are just dramatically different to like When you start and you've like not have any like, I mean, I always make a point to like have a long conversation before I shoot anyone. You see it. You see the difference. It's Mm -hmm. it's wild. Have you ever lived in Paris before? I've never really lived in, I left, uh, I was born in Nice and Mm -hmm. I left five or six years old. Okay. So I didn't really live in France since. And I like, briefly came in before I went to college for five months in Paris and like lived with a boyfriend and worked in like a retail job yeah uh, but that was as far as my Paris experience but um, since the pandemic I've been coming here more regularly because my uh, my grandfather got ill and then my dad and then like they passed away so like it was oh, I'm sorry. more um, I came in more for like personal reasons and Mm -hmm. then my mom's kind of the only one left and so that also pushed my like life priorities of just thinking in terms of like there aren't that many holidays like that many holidays left yeah like just when you think about numbers of like it's maybe 10 or 15 yeah With a with a relative kind of like seems banana. Yeah, because I find it so inspiring because it I do, and we talked about this earlier
0: before the recording, but um I think New York is so amazing and like time really does move quickly here. But I think there's so much of the world to see. And I also think that we do lose lose sight a little bit of uh the family matters while we're here because we're just so like going, going, going. Um but I think it's really special that you're kind of in this middle place. Like you have New York or over here. I don't know if your mom is still where you grew up, but, um,
1: no. she's in she's in France. That's, oh, so, okay. That's, that's, that's fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. So, um, and that's amazing. And I've, I've honestly never been to France except for a layover, but I've always been so pulled to it and uh, which is crazy. I just did a, um, um, what is it? Ancestry, and found out mm-hmm. I was 17% French, which is a that. big number. So, everyone listening, I am French. <laughs> I need to learn the language, but here I am. And that kind of leads into what are your dreams for the future with I Passerby? Have,
1: yeah. yeah I passerby print. Uh, I'm also working on my first photography book. So, I'm like really excited about that. Congrats. Uh, yeah. That's I'm amazing. Hoping that, like, I, I can take this month to really like finish, but, um, I got to photograph some of the most iconic Iranian women, like last wow. uh, new year's and, uh, photographing them in their table. So for the, for no we do this, like basically this table installation, like that brings in like prosperity, wealth, health, and let's just like these gorgeous, gorgeous tables, the done for the over 3000 years. Wow. And like, not much documentation about it which is like blows my mind and it's also a tradition that's been like carried on by women and yeah I think that's also one of the reasons why it's existed for so long. And um, so I'm just really just excited to put that out in the world. One of the women, Gugush, is like one of like this Iranian pop star from the 70s that like I grew up like listening to with my mom. I just I got to just go in her home and like photograph her No table that was on her piano, like the grand piano. It's just like very, very exciting. Um, so I'm just that that's one of the big future projects hopefully near future but that's um, amazing yeah future (sighs) future more prints
0: um yeah Mm, I got chills when you said like you literally grew up watching her and it's just I think doing those projects that are so close to home in our hearts it's really healing and it's just something I feel really really proud in those moments like those are the things that really light me up so I'm excited to see the book it's going to be amazing. And I can't wait to see passerby um, be in physical form.
1: That's amazing. It's about time.
0: I mean, I feel like people don't really read print. No, kind of I'm, I want okay. it. I want it. I need it for a coffee table. I like if anyone does print, I am running to it because everything is so digitalized. We don't even have um, when I was home for Thanksgiving, I was flipping through like all of my parents' old photos and them when they were my age. And I was like, we don't have that. I mean, I do this thing where every time I have a friend over, I insist I take a Polaroid of them, even if they don't like how they look and make them sign and date it because we we really have no print. So I think it's really important to keep the print going and to have our work in physical form. And it's something really nice to look back at and... You know someday you're gonna have a younger generation looking at that and being inspired by it and like being like look at this it's so nostalgic it's so amazing she was like on t- she was she knew something you know and i think it's really cool so yeah congrats that's very very cool and i'm excited to see it all come to life